to Jake's Review Quarter, the podcast where amateur fans voice their opinions on movies, TV, and anything pop culture from blockbuster hits to trashy cult classics. I'm your host, Jacob Daniel, and in the studio with me is a longtime collaborator, probably the unofficial like side partner of Review Corner. It's my buddy, Chase Sumter. Whoa, 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 whoa. I, I definitely didn't pronounce your name right. It's close enough, dude. Sumter. <laughs> I was thinking about it, you know, Chase, you've been on the show probably more than anyone else in the past, like, I'm coming up on a year of doing these podcasts, like March, and I was like, you know, Chase has been my go-to guy, probably because he's the only guy I know who watches as much movies as I do. I mean, I, you know, Sean would also be if yeah. he could ever make it to a podcast. If he didn't live all the way in hell, Florida, same thing. You know, Sean, it's just real selfish. These are the times when you really need to be able to count on a friend, step up, stay in Georgia, and do the Halloween Kills podcast that we agreed to do a month ago that I still haven't done. I'm just going to do a quick spoiler. It wasn't that great of a movie. It was awful. <laughs> um, but I mean, like, it'll be by the time the next movie comes out before we get Sean back on here. Okay. Hall- Screw you, Sean. Okay, Halloween Kills wasn't that bad. It was Okay, it wasn't terrible. It was really fun. I'll give it that. I I also had a fun time with it. I had a I have I have a friend who worked on that movie actually. That's so, um this guy goes to a thing called Power Monkey Camp. I he's actually one of the owners and he was talking to me a lot about how to get started in production and how to do all this stuff. And he had this sick-ass Halloween kill shirt. And this is before the movie came out, you know. And I was just, like, making him offers. I was like, $100, give me that shirt right now. And then the movie came out, and I think I would have... You were like... I was like, you know what, man? $3. I think the biggest problem with Halloween Kills is, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the movie, skip, like, three minutes in, because we're going to talk about it for half a second. I thought the biggest problem with Halloween Kills is it's like... Hey, you know what's great about Michael Myers? You know the fact that he's always going to go after Laurie no matter what? Screw that. We're not going to do that anymore. He doesn't give a sh- He doesn't give a shit about Laurie. Like Laurie's in the hospital. It would be so easy for him to get in there. Like also, I thought Anthony Michael Hall was dead. You know like Is he not? He's not. No, he's the guy that's like uh, the bald dude who I says know. like evil dies tonight. Yeah, I know who no, Anthony I Michael mean, like, Hawes I is. I thought he was dead in real life. I, I was watching <laughs> the movie. No shit. I was watching the movie with Aaron and Sean and I was like, that's Anthony Michael Hall. I swear, I'm like, he's fucking dead. No, Anthony Michael. Out. No, I know. I know he's alive. Dude, he, yeah, he's in the Goldbergs occasionally yeah, that, every once in a while. Yeah, I watched it with my family and I was like. There's no way that he, for some reason in my head, I was like, this is the Mandela effect. Anthony Michael Hall's been dead for 10 years. And then I like looked back and I'm like, I've seen him in so much. Did you know that uh, they actually approached Paul Rudd first about coming back? Because he played whatever the hell that character's name was. It was Tommy, right? Yeah. Um, Because he played Tommy in Halloween 6. And they're like, hey, do you want to come back and do... 
this movie and Paul Rudd was like, no, I got to, because he could either do Ghostbusters Afterlife or he could do Halloween. I mean, I mean, <laughs> mm, man, do Ghostbusters Afterlife, a very much appreciated Ghostbusters sequel or do Halloween Kills, a, movie, a, lot more a movie, a movie, a movie that has left the fan base divided and alienated because they don't know if it was okay or an utter piece of shit. I think it's a little bit of both. I at least the kills were the best part of Halloween Kills. Oh my god, they were. They were, they were sick. I, I went and saw the movie with uh, a friend of mine, her name's Aaron, and she's a big Halloween nerd. Now, I, I got I got like more into horror like recently when I got to college, and you know, I grew some balls, and I was like, yeah, you know, give me that blood. But she's like a huge horror fan, like Scream's her favorite, and I knew she wanted to see this, and I, you know, I hadn't seen like a Halloween movie in theaters. I didn't see 2018 in theaters, and I regret that. I did. I thought, I really liked 2018. I had a good time watching it in theaters. I I know, and I regret not seeing it, but I was just being a little bitch boy, and I was like, oh, scary, <laughs> scary, but uh, no, so I went and saw it, and it's so funny, because I watched the movie, and I was like, I like turned to her, I was like, that was really good, and she goes, that's a piece of shit movie, I'm like, what the fuck, and I was like, yeah, no, it wasn't, no, it, it was terrible, but no, I didn't think it was that bad, no, so, Evil Dies Tonight, <laughs> so for anyone who is... We'll do a Halloween Kills full podcast, I swear. There's a lot to talk about. For for everyone that we promised a whole month ago about doing this podcast, there's your little snippet. All right, guys, this is actually an episode of Casual Corner today. I'm sure you'll know that because that's on the title of the episode <laughs> you picked. Casual Corner is a more slice of life, more, like, different topics every episode. Like, you know, we're not just doing one movie or one TV show. We're jumping back and forth. Think of it as, like, that fun, groovy news column you don't read, but your grandpa's like, mm, give me that, and you just take the comic, you just take the comics. I've done one episode of Casual Corner, and I did it with my buddies from my job over the summer, and I wanted to do this one with Chase, because we've been talking back and forth about just Netflix, and different adaptions, and bad adaptions, and as you can see from the title, I mentioned Tick, Tick, Boom, and Cowboy Bebop. I mean, you clicked on the episode, you know what you're in for. So first off, I want to give it over to Chase. Chase, just tell me how you feel about TV and film the past year. You know, we're past COVID a little bit. A bunch of movies have been released on video on demand. Some, you know, the the markings of like film ratios are so off because it's like you have these big blockbuster movies that premiered on video on demand and also in theaters. The box office numbers don't make any it's sense weird. at the moment. Yeah. Like Dune doesn't. Dune, I don't. Oh my god. Okay, Dune isn't a great example. The Suicide no. Squad is a great example. It did terrible at the box office, but its streaming numbers are out of the roof right now. Yeah. I I think like COVID was kind of like a blessing and a curse for like film and TV. For on one hand, like we're able to get so much more on streaming, like movies that we'd have to go to the theater to see, like wait a year or two to get on streaming, like just released automatically. On the other hand, though, I think, like, there's been kind of this quantity over quality approach to a lot of things. Don't get me wrong, there's been a lot of good movies, especially this year, that have been released um, now that theaters have opened up. But, like, I think the whole Warner Brothers partnership with HBO Max, like, it's weird. Like, Suicide Squad being released on streaming and in theaters just didn't make sense to me. Or Dune. Like, I don't think Dune was a good idea to release on HBO Max right at first. Yeah. As well, because, like... 
that's that movie like begs for a movie theater. Well, not only that, it's definitely so. Dune's been adapted three different yeah. times. So there's the original 1980s movie made David by da- David Lynch, who uh, Twin Peaks fame. There's the mini series, mini series from the early 2000s, and then there was this one. But this is obviously the first Dune movie yeah. that it screams like franchise potential. Like oh, Timothy yeah. Shamblin is gonna be a household. Did I say that name I right? Think Dude, there there was a guy yeah, who's like, yeah, they were doing an interview and they're like, yes, Timothy Shamalavide, <laughs> whatever. Timothy no, but like, I mean, I saw that movie and it felt like Lord of the Rings. It felt like Harry Potter. Like this mm-hmm. is gonna be so huge. And then if you know the lore of the books, you know shits yeah. shits only starting to get I'm, effed up. I'm just finishing the first book right now. Are you? Yeah, and I, I watched the movie on on demand. I want to watch it. Like, and I wish I could have gone to, like, seen an IMAX theater or something, because, like, I feel like with Hans Zimmer's score and everything like that, like, it was sick. But, like, sitting in my home, like, it wasn't, I feel like it didn't beg for that. Like, yeah, I I wanted to also see it in uh, theaters. I missed my mark, and I had to watch too. it on um, at home. But, you know, like, it's also the same thing, but... It's so crazy because that movie was obviously supposed to be released in 2020. I was planning on seeing it in theaters, and then it had to get moved. It got pushed back. And, like, okay, great example. No Time to Die, James Bond movie, like, super done well. But did you see that they legitimately could not push this movie back anymore? Like they've They've been pushed back for so long. Like it, it was pushed back almost like two years. I'm pretty Mm -hmm. sure because it was supposed to release in 2019, I think, right? Or was it supposed to be 2020? I I don't know. 2019 or 2020? Because then at the same time, uh, (laughs) why do why do why do we not know when COVID started? uh, (laughs) It feels like it's never stopped. Like it never started. It just feels like it's been life at this point. Like the French Dispatch. That Wes Anderson movie, it took like two years for that to get released. Last Night in Soho, the Edgar Wright movie, like I remember when the trailer came out for that. Ooh, spooky. Yeah, and then I was like, oh, that disappeared. Like everything just like felt like it went away for a while and they forgot to advertise for it again. Well, and then you have all these like TV shows that were mid-production and had to shut down. There were so many like critically acclaimed shows that Mm -hmm. like shut down like... Uh, great Netflix show, um, I'm Not Okay With This, which starred the girl from It and also one of the boys from It. And it's it was written by the guy who wrote End of the Fucking World. Yeah. And great, it's about a girl. It's, I think Stranger Things, it's more modern and she has like mind powers, doesn't really know. She's also a closeted homosexual. And, oh yeah, dude, it's really good. I need to watch it. My, and it's, uh... it's based on a uh, graphic novel. And there were supposed to be at least two parts, but it got canceled because of COVID. I know um, that Colby that Colby Smolder show with Jake Johnson oh, got yeah. canceled, Stumptown or whatever. And then I'm pretty sure, I'm almost positive, uh, the live-action Cowboy Bebop got shut down during production. Mm-hmm. But that also probably had to do with the fact... Fe- so John Cho got injured. I knew about that. Yeah. And then I think they had to shut down mid because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Because I think... I actually have no idea. I didn't do the background. But, you know... Regardless, it's just, it's honestly been such a weird year. And I'm sure, you know, things change, you know, movies had to adapt. And I'm personally happy that things are kind of going back in theaters. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, coming up in a couple of weeks is Spider-Man No Way Home. Oh, yeah. Actually, no, coming out this week is Spider-Man No Way Home. It's crazy to think about. Yeah, and then, like, you know, Mar- Disney has done kind of the smart move. Like, starting back in... 
Um, I think I'm trying to remember when Shang Chi got released, but that was smart. Like they said, no, this is not going to Disney Plus. Like this is going to exclusively stay in theaters. Yeah. And because Shang Chi did so well, so many movies are like, nope. No more video on demand. Like, Venom yeah. got moved back to an original release date that was closer to Shang-Chi. That movie was okay. Um, the Eternals came out. I've seen it twice in theaters, and I'm still in the middle about how I feel. I still, have, I still haven't seen that yet. Oh, know, it's been a minute. Oh, well, they do something super revolutionary. A sex scene. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. Uh, there was literally a headline, and I'm pretty sure it was from, like, I don't remember. It's some newspaper some freaking web article and they're like marvel tries something different dot 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 a sex scene and i'm just saying like you know as far as sex scenes go i mean they're just on the ground no you can't see anything there's slight movement i got more of a feel of a sex scene from tony stark and that random reporter like jumping on the bed like moving around falling (laughs) on the floor in the first iron man (laughs) that's freaking goofy i just think that I'll, I think that COVID's been a blessing and a curse for movies and TV, though. Like, it's mm-hmm. so up in the air. I think for, like, on the the side of things that I see, um, like, uh, for auditions and everything like that, like, if I'm on, like, breakdown websites or anything like that, there's so many, like, self-tape auditions. But I think there's, like, they're pushing, like, quantity over quality a lot now because you can make, like, a cheap movie or tv show about covid and just like yeah it out there and they're doing that now so it's a it's a weird time you know what uh, i was reading something and it was like during the covid era all straight white men turned to podcasting yep. to like get out their emotions uh chase did a podcast that was it was average films for average joes right yeah and, and now we're going back to it starting back up really it's i was been just about a year i was i was about to say i was about to ask you like how do you feel that because the last time we talked you said you were probably canceling the podcast we, we never like talked even about canceling it it's just it was so hard you got uh, renewed by a different network yeah uh james uh one of the guys in the podcast he works at medieval times gage just got married sean lives in florida and it was just crazy, and over the summer we didn't get to do it. But we're going to try to start back, like, in January, and we're just going to call it The Average Joes. It's going to be less, like, film-based. We're going to talk about movies, talk about different things, but we just think it'll be better if we don't have to, like, all try to do something at once, because it just wasn't working out. Oh, we're yeah. Gonna, we were going, it was going too wild. We could so, never find it. Sounds like you're copying my casual corner state. Uh, Nah, we were so much less organized. You you were like, guys, I got this great idea. I copied it from uh, one of Jacob's videos that was in a review corner. We're still going to have, like, one main topic. We're just not going to hold it just to, like, film and TV and everything. Fair enough. Okay, so we were talking about... We were talking about how, obviously, COVID was big for video on demand and streaming services. But let me ask you a question. Because I was thinking about this when I was writing up the script for Mm -hmm. this casual corner. When was the last time you, like, actively watched something on cable? Like, you tuned in every week to see, like, a cable show. It's like, oh, my God. Because, okay, so I want to bring this up real quick, which is, what even is cable at the moment? Because it's like, uh, like, here's a great example is, you know, I have a TV in my living room that I watch YouTube TV on, but I also have, but it's on a Roku TV. And there's a Roku channel. And between my my Roku channel, I was about to say like Yu-Gi-Oh or something right there. (laughs) Between my Yu-Gi-Oh channel. No, but between my Yoku... <laughs> between my <laughs> between my Roku channel, I also have like Netflix, Disney Plus, and all these streaming yeah. services. 
But then there's these free streaming services like Pluto, and Pluto just has different channels on it, so it's, it's basically like cable. You want. Like, we have cable at my house still, because that's how uh, ETC, LJ Telephone Company, we get like our cable and Wi-Fi and all that in one. Yeah. And like, so we just have cable. My parents watch like, they don't ever watch any TV shows that come on at a certain time. They watch like The Voice, or like I watch something oh, like my parents love The Voice dude, too. I watch The Voice with them, and I watch like Guys Grocery Games. But we never sit down and like watch a TV show that comes on on a specific Jeopardy. That's it. All this <laughs> stuff we can also watch on streaming. Like it, I feel like cable's kind of dying at this point because there's no need for it anymore. And it kind of does feel like we're moving past cable a little bit, but like, and then. Like, when you think about it, streaming services is also, like, some of these streaming services are like, no, we're not going to release our full shows once they premiere. We're going to have the, like, Hawkeye is a great example. Like, Disney Plus shows, they release an episode a week, which is Mm -hmm. almost like waiting for a cable show to premiere. They had a show on Netflix. I cannot remember the name of it. I watched the first season of it. It had Jeanette McCurdy. Yes, I know it. And it came out week by week, and it was the first one on streaming that I'd seen like that. And that was, like... Five, six years ago. Oh, dude, it was super early on when they were trying that. Yeah, it was one of those first, like, Netflix original shows, and it, I, I remember it not liking it, but I remember waiting each week to try to like it, because I was waiting for the episodes to come There's out. only been one show recently that, like, and this was so off for me, because if anyone knows me, they know, like, growing up, I was terrified of, like, really one horror icon, which was Chucky. But me I, too. no, dude. But let me tell you, the new Chucky show is so good. I've seen every... That's what you told me that. I still haven't watched it. Dude, it was good. So it it's also interesting because it's one of the few shows that um, aired on two different channels. Like you can watch it at 10 p.m. on Tuesday on Sci-Fi or USA. So it premiered at the that's same time. Wild. And it's kind of weird because it's like... That's interesting that they're premiering on two different channels at the same time. And it's not like one was edited out. Like, they both used, like, the vulgar language and everything. But, yeah, like, Chucky has been the only show in the past, like, maybe two years where I actively was like, oh, yeah, 10 p.m. on Tuesdays. Like, you know, like, in high school, like, the only show I could think about was, like, The Flash. Like, I was super into The Flash when it Mm -hmm. first came out. I watched Mr. Robot on TV. Oh, yeah? That was the last one that I watched. I watched that on, I think... That was it, and I watched uh, the new American Horror Story, but we didn't even really watch that on cable. We just like tuned into it. Yeah, because it because it because of the Hulu FX yeah. thing where it premieres. It was kind of like watching it on cable. So they are they getting numbers from that too? I'm assuming. Cause... I guess because like I guess FX has like a pretty big partnership with Hulu. So now I'm wondering. I'm like, so they must be looking at. They're probably looking at who's tuning in immediately, Yeah. who has the like DVR set, and who's watching it the next day after. But then it's like, okay, well, they can also be watching it on their like websites, yeah. streaming services. And probably, like, I feel like with a lot of TV shows, now I could be wrong, but I know with movies it's like this. It's like, uh, if you get it sent to like, somewhere like Netflix or Hulu, it's like you kind of get like a flat rate usually. Yeah. They just pay you and they buy out the rights for that season. But I feel like with FX, with their shows, it's like they're getting royalties off of whoever watches it on Hulu. Well, and it's so interesting when it comes to streaming services now about who gets what. So great yeah. example 
Yeah, God, man. You ever like do a podcast and you get so used to saying like the same things? I'll like edit my podcast. I'm always saying like, or I'll be like, great example or great fun example. fact. I remember you know Allison Matson, who I call Assistant Allison, and she's been on a couple of these episodes and she helps out with some of the posts on the Instagram page, will always call me out. She's like, you always say this right, you always say this, or and she'll be like, uh, you don't know how to use the proper your on the Instagram page. Oh I'm like, just stop. What am I paying you? And editor, she's like, <laughs> I don't pay her anything because this, <laughs> she <buys us> <laughs> this, is, this is a non-union podcast. Also, like I'm fresh out of college. We're not in the IOTSE union yet. She's hoping one day this podcast will like catch on. I'm telling you one day, third best movie TV review podcast. Third best. What are the first two? Um, Probably like. Oh man, that's a hard question. I listen to a lot of now playing and how did this get made? Yeah. Have you ever, have I've you listened ever... to how did this get made? Oh my god, hysterical. They're Sick. what we think we are when we tell like jokes on yep. here. And then like like I'll listen to us doing jokes, I'm like cringe. Cringe. Okay. <laughs> cringe. I don't like to listen to myself talk at all usually. I'm like like I'll listen to these podcasts and I'm like no one ever tells you how hard it is to do a podcast it when you is. like not in the sense of edit editing is pretty easy once you know but like finding the rhythm and finding the flow is mm-hmm. so hard in the first couple of episodes yeah i think that was our problem with well like me and james and Gage, the average joe's and we had like i feel like we hit the ground running with our first episode it was long but like we had like we kept the ball rolling and then like later on we started to overthink it with ours we'd script them more and then like we were afraid to like go off of the script and I feel like just keeping it kind of casual while still having a structure to it is like the best way. Not that this is what the podcast is about, but no dude. But yeah, so it's just so interesting with cable. And then like you think about the OG of all this was Netflix. And I remember yeah. when Netflix's whole thing was like, Oh, well, join Netflix and we'll mail you your DVD. Yeah. And it's it's so much better than Blockbuster because now you don't have to go 15 minutes down the road. And they it, shut everything down. Well, and then it's like Netflix's... I'm pretty sure Netflix's first original thing... It was House of Cards with Kevin Spacey was yeah. their first like original drama. And now you go to Netflix and like half of their stuff isn't even like other shows from other networks like it's original properties and like original movies like this was such some of them are so like that netflix is so weird to me because they'll put up movies for oscar contention now they'll release them in theaters for like four days and they'll be like this can be an oscar contender they're like this is a good movie like it was on netflix for a month but we put it in the theater for a day so you gotta you gotta Well, and then it's like, it's so weird with Netflix because Netflix mo- Netflix TV shows can be a real, like, hit. But, like, sometimes the movies are just terrible. Yeah. But I've watched a lot of good Netflix movies. Like, one of my favorites is A Futile and Stupid Gesture. It's mm-hmm. the uh, making of National Lampoon. Yeah. It's about Doug Kenny, who is definitely one of my most influential, like, people I ever learned about in college. And then, most recently... They came out with a movie, and I watched this movie, and there's, like, you know, sometimes you'll watch a movie and it just sticks with you so hard. Yeah. And I never thought, like, this movie would, but it's a movie called Tick, Tick, Boom. I'm going to actually throw it over to Chase, and I'll let – Chase had no idea I was going to tell him to describe this movie. <laughs> but Chase is a freaking theater nerd, and I know he knows more about Tick, I, Tick, Boom than I do, so. I do know a good bit about Tick, Tick, Boom. All right, well, sum it up for us. So, so- I'll – you got it. You no, got no, you got it. You got it. This is your podcast anyway. How you want to talk? <laughs> yeah, just talk. Um, so Tick Tick Boom 
is uh, it was originally a stage show by Jonathan Larson of Rent fame, which like arguably like the most influential musical of early, I mean late nineties, early two thousands. Like it shaped how musicals are made today. Like we have so many like contemporary rock musicals nowadays, but before Rent, it was either like you're a rock musical or you're a musical theater. There's no in between, and he kind of like put those together. Um, and this is about him before Rent making his musical Superbia um, and kind of his struggle as an artist. It's a personal story. It was like originally kind of a one-man show of him on stage. In the movie, it goes back and forth between him on stage performing Tick, Tick, Boom and um, like what inspired that musical in real life. And um, what Lin-Manuel Miranda did is he took the stage show, which is just, it's essentially a song cycle, so it's just a bunch of songs not a whole lot of dialogue, and then um, Michael and Susan are the only other characters. And then he took that, and he showed like the actors playing those characters, and then he like mirrored that with what was happening in Jonathan Larson's real life. Um, and I, I love this movie. I thought that it was like a really cool adaptation of a musical, which sounds like it would be really hard to put on screen, because it's just a song cycle. And yeah, so I watched, this was my first time ever knowing about this. I watched Tick, Tick, Boom, and I loved it. And especially loved it because I'm fresh out of college. Chase is about to graduate. The whole movie is about this guy named Jonathan Larson, and he's about to turn 30, and he feels like he hasn't accomplished yeah. anything. Like a lot of these playwrights and people who have produced great shows usually get it done before they're 30. John's about to turn 30, and he feels like he'll be unaccomplished if he can't get something made and this is obviously bringing up big challenges between his personal relationships with his girlfriend susan and his best friend michael and this is all going on during the aids epidemic and it's just so much and like chase said so the show what's so great about the show what's so great about the movie is like chase said the show is really it's a three-person broadway thing when it first came out, it was just Jonathan Larson, and it was some a one man. And some <laughs> exactly, and then what was what Lynn did? By the way, this is Lynn Manuel Miranda's first like directing gig, yeah. and he killed it. Like he that really was did. such a smart. I don't know if it was his decision or the writer's decision to be like, okay, you know what? Let's mirror uh, John's actual life. The guy that wrote it, um, Stephen Levinson, mm -hmm. um, he's a playwright, and he wrote the book for Dear Evan Hansen musical. Not Ben Platt's dad? Not Ben Platt's <laughs> Not dad. Not Mark Platt? <laughs> he probably threw some fucking money in this. We would have had Ben Platt instead of Andrew Garfield. Oh my it would have been awful. <laughs> At least he would have looked the actual yeah. age. And, like, this is also during... What's so funny is Tick, Tick, Boom came out a month after Dear Evan Hansen. Dear Evan Hansen came a couple months after, um, oh my gosh, why am I blank? In the Heights. Yeah. So these are three, these are three huge Broadway shows that were adapted. Mm -hmm. And like, Tick, Tick, Boom, in my personal opinion, did it the best. Like, yeah. I felt so great watching this movie. And I also felt, I felt great watching um, In the Heights. I did too, but I think like... Dear this... Evan Hansen is the funniest horror movie, I've, <laughs> psychological thriller it, movie I've ever watched in my life. It so much better. Um, but I, I agree. I had fun watching In the Heights. And also the, the pro shot of Hamilton came out like right before that. Lin-Manuel Miranda is making his freaking money this year. Did you know... So something I really like about Lin-Manuel 
it, I, I can never say his name right. But something I like about Lynn is, did you know he played, he did Tick, Tick, Boom. Like, he played yeah, he Jonathan played Larson. Jonathan Larson. That's, that was my first introduction. I'm going to be um, honest. I, I didn't, I've seen a couple videos of him. Not great. He's not great in this role. There's yeah. a lot of people who think Lynn isn't great. Like, he isn't that great. I would beg to differ. I yeah. think he did really good as Usnavi. And I think he yeah. does good in Hamilton. I think he does he's good. He's a great writer. Like, whenever he's performing his work... Amazing. Perfect. I just don't think... there. You know, and there's certain roles people can't pull off. Like, yeah. Ben Platt returning to Evan Hansen. We already said, like, that was a no-no. Yeah. But, you know, Lynn playing Jonathan Larson, just, it also didn't fit. But yeah. at the same time, it's like, you know, people say Hamilton now, and it's like, oh, not even the actual Hamilton man, Lin-Manuel yeah. Miranda. For real. It, I mean... Crazy talented dude. Also, yeah. how about the fact? Sorry, I cut you no, off. You but how about the fact that Andrew Garfield, who has no big singing experience, mm-hmm. took on the role of Jonathan Larson, and he killed it. Yeah, he he lied. He was like, "Yeah, I can sing." And then, uh, well, he got a massage therapist. Have you heard that story? Yeah, <laughs> like his massage therapist backed him up. Like, oh, voice of an angel. Voice of an angel. But I mean, he he's done a lot of theater work. I think in the theater world, like he did Angels in America. Great play. Seven-hour epic play. Kills it in that. And I think, like, in Lin-Manuel Miranda, he was like, I saw him in that. He was a tour de force. I needed to cast him in the movie. Like, he saw it back then, like, three, four years ago. And, like, that's crazy to me. The characters are nowhere near each other. And I think, like, he just believed in him. He sung this from, like, a singer's perspective. Like, literally, what I loved about his voice is, like, it wasn't too separated from his speaking voice. Like, like, that is Andrew Garfield singing at Jonathan Larson. Like, it's perfect. He sounded great. He killed that. Yeah, I mean, I'd be lying to say that I haven't turned on, like, the musical in my car a couple oh, of times. Dude, me too. I like this one and the Raul Esparza We one. are not Good built dude. like other guys our age. <laughs> it's no. like, hey, yo, play Tick, Tick, Boom, it's but sick, precisely dude. play 3090, please. I'm trying to rock <laughs> out during this pregame. That and, uh... Louder Than Words at the end. Oh, great. Louder Than Words sounds like a really emotional 90s trailer music it song. It does. That's what all of Rent sounds like. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen Rent. Um, I've seen it, you know. I don't I don't like the movie. Um, really? I've only ever seen the movie. There's a full stage production. You don't like Rosario Dawson? <laughs> did I say that name right? I, I didn't. I, it wasn't bad. The she voiced fine. the Lego Batwoman and you don't like her? The, the musical is just like... It doesn't have the dialogue. In Lego it. Batwoman? And Lego Batwoman freaking kills. <laughs> oh no. That's fair. No, but you know, and that's just a great example of Netflix. I don't know I don't know if Netflix acquired this movie or they yeah. were fully funding it, but like, once again, great adaption on Netflix's part. I think this is one of the few movies and Netflix advertised in 2020 that they were going to do a lot of good movies. I don't, I mean, Concrete Cowboy has been probably the only movie this year I've really liked, but we have a couple big other movies coming out. Like, uh, Chris Hemsworth announced he was doing Extraction 2, Yeah. which if you can tell me the plot of Extraction 1, I will gladly, nope. it's just a movie about a guy protecting a, a boy, right? Yeah. Like I watched the movie twice and to this day I'm like, who is the main character's name? <laughs> was it Thor? It was Thor. <laughs> Netflix, like, I I mean, I applaud them on this one. I think it's also kind of a tough sell, and they succeeded with their marketing. Like, they, because it's not, like, a big musical name. Like, this is a musical that, I mean, like, it has, like, 
relative success in the theater world. But like, no, you could say Hamilton, like everyone knows what that is. You could say Rent, everyone knows what that yeah. is. But like West Side Story, people know that. But Tick, Tick, Boom, like a stage show that's like an intimate thing that he made into something else. I loved it. I, oh my gosh. I can't talk about it. It made me feel so inspired. I want to I jump to the next scene, but I also want to bring up the fact. So, okay. So since you said West Side Story, I want to oh, point goodness. out... I do want to point that out real quick. Once again, what's so special, I think, about the Netflix version is they mirrored Jonathan Larson playing himself in the play version. Because we've said again, there's really three versions of Tick, Tick, Boom. There's the original, like, self-made. It was only John talking about his life. And then after he passed away, there was a revised version. And there was three people. And then there's the movie. And the movie combines... The the first one with the second one. Wow. And adds on top of it. Yeah. Like, so they did enough. And then what I uh, I'm, I want to see West Side Story. Re- regardless of the fact of all the Ansel, whatever the yeah. what his last name. I'm so iffy on all that. Is, I am too. I don't want to talk about it too long because, you know, I do like the actor. And I've read up on a bunch of the stuff. And a lot of it still is in the works of, like, it's not. And apparently it is, like, this big thing where they're like, it hasn't been fully proven yet, but like yeah. people have said enough about him. But I do want to say something that was cool I figured out is the new movie isn't based on the original movie. It's no. based on the Broadway show. Mm-hmm. So and it's they, they take like uh, they only switch around like one song and like like oh, like talk about a good idea. They're like, we don't want to remake the mm-hmm. movie. We want to make the Broadway version into a movie. Like they were like, let's adapt it, but let's adapt it this way. How we would do it, not how someone else adapted like, the Broadway. Movie. Exactly, you know, you look at the source material and you're like, hey, let's adapt it this way. And, you know, let's not change enough and alienate the fans and I'm going <laughs> to jump in the Cowboy Bebop. So, Cowboy Bebop, I, I want, this was the second topic of Casual Corner today. I want to point that out. It's in the title. You knew what this was going to be about. <laughs> I posted about this on Instagram. But, like I said, Netflix has done some really great adaptions in the past. And then in 2019 or 2020, they announced that they were going to do their first anime adaption. They were going to adapt Cowboy Bebop. Now, this first, (laughs) there was a lot of controversy with this show. Not really. The controversy being, could they adapt it right? Real quick, I want to talk about the cast. Uh, You got John Cho, who did Harold and Kumar as Spike Spiegel. You got Mustafar Shakir. I hope I said that right, as Jet Black. He was in, um... Oh my gosh, what was that Marvel TV show? Um, really strong man. Oh my god, I only know the superhero name. Uh, his super- Luke, Cage. Luke Cage. I was I wanted to call him Power Man because Power that's, man. that's his superhero <laughs> yeah. alias. Uh, you got Danielle Pineda as Faye. You got Alex Hassel as Vicious, and you got Elena Satine as Julia. And I mean, off the bat, I really like this cast. Now. John Cho as Spike Spiegel raised a lot of eyes because Spike in the anime is notoriously young and he's definitely <laughs> he's definitely not older than Jet. Okay, you've seen Cowboy Bebop, right? Uh, not really. Not really. Like, I the only times is whenever I had friends, whenever I was skating a lot, who would watch it. I've never watched it all the way really, through. You would like it. So uh, Cowboy Bebop is a 26-episode anime. Um, That's it? Yeah, it's only tw- it's only 26 episodes. And what I like about it is that was what the creator wanted. He didn't want to yeah. do multiple seasons at Cowboy Bebop. Like he wanted to tell one connected story over 26 episodes and you know, 
sometimes all the episodes don't connect. A lot of them are standalone. Mm-hmm. But what's great is by the end, it all comes together for this great story. Like he uses jazz music for just about everything. The action and animation is so beautiful. And it, it tells a really captivating story. You know, one of, at the end of every episode, they have a different tagline. Most of the time, it's CU Space Cowboy. One of, the, one of my favorite taglines was, you're going to carry that weight, which basically means, like, every action you do in your life, you have to be responsible for that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's all this great stuff, and you have these characters who are so relatable, and they're all dealing with their own thing. <laughs> a lot of people compare the main cast of Cowboy Bebop to the Beatles, and then by the end of Cowboy Bebop. I'm kind of spoiling it a little bit for you, but they kind of, most of them kind of almost go their own way. Not really, but it's kind of like in the sense of like the Beatles went their own way. Okay. Uh, shout out to, oh my gosh, I listen to this podcast all the, night, all the time. I can't believe I'm forgetting the name. Wizard and the Bruiser for giving me uh-huh. that. <laughs> but, so they did this adaption and as of yesterday, Netflix has canceled the first season of Cowboy Bebop, which blew my mind. But it's at the same time. I mean, they alienated the fan base so hard. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing is I watched the show and I, I'm a big fan of Cowboy Bebop and I've loved it. It is probably the best anime adaption we've ever gotten. I mean, especially if you compare it to like the Death Note movie, Death Note movie. the Dragon Ball Z evolution oh movie. And only good part of that Death Note movie. Well, <laughs> <laughs> but it looked like the show looked good and sure. Like some yeah. of the action sequences were dumb and like, you know, sometimes there was some cringy dialogue, but like, I think at the end of the day, they tried their hardest. The cast really loved the characters. Uh, Musta recently went on Instagram and he announced like the show was canceled and he gave this really heart telling emotional Instagram post about why he loved the show and he loved doing jet and like, don't you want that from actors? Like you don't want it to just be a paycheck. Like they wanted to try and make something that was so beautiful, but you know, there was just problems with it. Like once again, John show, I thought he was great as spike, but he didn't really play the spike. We all knew. I mean, same goes for Danielle as Faye, especially playing a different type of Faye who wasn't really this like female fatalic. She's more of a girl boss and she has one liners and oh, real gun. Like that's not, that's not the Faye. A lot of people were like, oh, well, she's she's lesbian in the show. I don't care. I don't care about that. Like, whatever. Who cares a shit? It was it was just little stuff. Them changing Vicious into Draco Malfoy was definitely... Wait, he's in that? So, no. So, oh. the character of Vicious, in the anime, he's named Vicious because he is... I mean, he gets the name after what he does to his victims. Yeah. Like, he's a crime boss. And, like, he's Makes just sense. vicious. But in the show, they had to add details because he's barely seen in the anime. Yeah. He's still the overall, like, antagonist. But, like, he was in almost every episode of the anime. And they're like, oh, we got to add some backstory. Mm-hmm. And the guy, someone in that writing room was like, well, let's give him a dad. And he feels like he can't live up to his oh dad. And God. he has a, yeah, no. So they were like Draco Malfoy. But the thing about this adaption is, once again, I feel like it wasn't that bad. It was a real 5 out of 10. Don't get me wrong. For me personally, I felt like it was a 7, but it was definitely a 5. Like, some episodes were hit, some episodes were a miss. But this was also Netflix's first time doing an anime adaption. And they had a long way to go. But they could have fixed everything in Season 2. They did screw up one character, I want to say. And I don't want to spoil anything, because apparently Chase hasn't seen Cowboy Bebop. But they changed one of the overall character's core so much in the last episode 
that like it was like where are they going with this but at the same time it was like this is their own unique take i want to see how it plays off but now we'll never see it because they canceled it and they had their ratings cowboy bebop was like the number one show in the world on netflix for i think a week i saw that like every time i go and that's why it shocked me so much that they canceled it but i think they gave into the fact of the reviews and probably just the cost because it's like what if the next season they don't make that money back or something but here's the thing is they recently announced the netflix live action cast for one piece the anime show and they're doing an avatar the last airbender live action show that the original creators were originally attached to but left because it departs too much from their original idea they're also doing a live action gundam show so absolutely like it's crazy to me that they wouldn't make a second season even though i haven't seen it if they're doing all of that well and here so here's my take is okay you're gonna cancel cowboy bebop understandably i get it I personally think you should have saw it out. A lot of the fans really didn't like it. Use this show Mm -hmm. as a good point of what you're going to do with these later shows. Because it's like, if you couldn't figure out what worked with Cowboy Bebop, which is only a 26-episode anime, how do you feel like you're going to adapt a live-action version of One Piece? Have you ever seen One Piece? Uh, not all of it. It's long as shit. It, it is long as shit. Let me give you the syn- the synopsis. The synopsis. I'm really bad at watching anime. I never <laughs> like. I can't name one that I've ever finished. Oh, dude. Growing up in the gymnastics gym, I don't know why, but me and my teammates were all addicted to like anime. We also like punched each other and said cool action names. <laughs> Heck yeah. oh, flying gymnastics kick. I used to, like want to, but my parents, my. Uh, my family was, like, hyper-religious at one point, and they thought that, like, all anime was from the devil because we got told that in church, and so then I just couldn't watch it. It was wild. No, and, and to, they laugh at Well, it. to be fair, like, my, my parents didn't let me watch Dragon Ball Z until I was, like, at least 10, but I definitely watched Naruto when, when that first came out on Cartoon Network, which that show is 10 times more yeah. violent than Dragon Ball Z on a daily basis. But it was... But, like, what I'm trying to say is, so One Piece, let me give you the quick synopsis. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that word right. Synopsis. Synopsis. Which is, it's about pirates, but yeah. some pirates can have powers due to, like, these, like, secret special fruits. And the main character, Luffy, has stretchy powers, and he can stretch his arms. So, you can imagine a thousand episode oh, long anime getting adapted into live action and they're supposed to adapt all this stuff. And they had such a tricky like way of doing Cowboy Bebop, which once again, it's only based on 26 episodes. And I feel like just everything about like what I've seen of One Piece, it just seems so much harder to adapt live action without a huge, huge, huge budget. Now, here's something that gives me a little bit of hope is unlike Cowboy Bebop, I think. I haven't I haven't super researched the Cowboy Bebop live action crew. Mm-hmm. But the guy who created One Piece, Oda, he is heavily involved with the live action version. He picked the cast. And it was so funny. Like, they were talking about his casting picks. And I mean, so the guy they picked for Luffy is from Mexico. And they picked a guy to play Sanji, who's from, like, France. And Zoro, the Zoro actor is from Japan. The Zoro actor is apparently really big in Japan. Like, he's done a lot of big movies. 
And they were like, why? You know, like, these are such controversial picks. And, you know, you have the fan base who's like, Oda picked them. Like, the creator picked them. Yeah. You know, like, this is his decision. He gets to do that. Well, don't, and, like, it especially says, like, dude, if anyone feels confident enough in a live-action adaption, it's probably the guy who created the show. For real. Now, is everything probably going to play out the same? No, they're going to tweak it because it's Netflix. I mean, Cowboy Beep. But at the same time, it's like Cowboy Beep Bop. I wouldn't have wanted a live action version of just the 26 episodes. I like that they tried different things. And um, another thing, Tomorrow Studios, which produced the live action Cowboy Bebop, is producing the One Piece show. And the look and feel of Cowboy Bebop was there. Like the costumes were updated to look like they would actually fit on actual people and they looked great. So I have confidence that they can adapt a simple like you know, red shirt and jean shorts for Luffy or a suit for Sanji. And I'm saying all these names and Chase is like, I'm probably like, Chase, yeah, is, what the hell? Chase is trying to imagine what these people look no, like. I know like what a lot of the characters look like. I, I need to watch, I just need to watch more like shows and anime in general. <laughs> like I, I went on this kick where I was only watching movies. I was so bad at watching shows, but but so Cowboy Bebop getting canceled is almost like I don't know if you know do you know anything about Jupiter's legacy? Mm-mm. Okay, so do you know the movie The Kingsman yeah, and like yeah. Kickass? So there they were comics written by a guy named Mark Miller. Now, Miller also wrote his own superhero comic. It's called Jupiter's Legacy and it's basically about these like well-known superheroes, kids who basically turn against their parents and they're like, no, like, we want to decide, like, what the laws are. And, like, the main Superman of that universe gets his ass kicked by his son and killed. Like, it's big. And basically, the Superman's daughter of this universe, like, I think Utopian is the name, like, she has to step up and stop her brother. And so Netflix did an adaption of it, and they added a lot from other, like, a prequel comic to try and make it, and it got canceled during its first season, which was such a mind F, because it's like, this was such, this was supposed to be Netflix's answer to the superhero genre, and it was going to be big, and it was going to be huge, and they canceled it after season one, and it... Well, they also changed a lot. So in the first, like, they didn't have the son, which I think his superhero name was Paragon or something. Like, in the first season, they just led up to what's driving these characters. I'm sure in season two, they were going to, like, do the actual comic book. But it's like, now we'll never know. Like, they barely adapted Jupiter's legacy. But here's a fun fact. Super Crooks just dropped. Super Crooks is an anime adaption of the comic book Super Crooks, which is set in the Jupiter's legacy. And it's it's very interesting because wow. it's an anime based on American comic, and it's good. It's It was so good. It was everything that the live-action show should have been. Mm-hmm. But the live-action show was garbage. I think Netflix and, gets to it. They get over their heads and, like, what they can do. I think they just throw money at, like, what they want to do and, like... They try to, in my opinion, like influence it too much to make it like try to please everyone and then ends up pleasing no one. Like, I look at something like The Prom on Netflix, absolutely god awful. And I saw it here in Atlanta. How dare you talk about Jim Garfield that Jim way? Garfield, Jim Garfunkel. Jim oh, his last name's Gordon? Jim I don't know. I, I just know him as that fat guy who he's has to be. awful, dude. Yeah, I mean, I heard he's going to be in West Side Story. No, I don't know. <laughs> I heard he's playing Jonathan Larson in Tick, Tick, Boom. Oh, you know what surprised me? They cast him in everything. He, like, that movie, I think Netflix just tries too hard to, like, get whatever they can to market it to a big audience. And then 
they either don't put enough money in it, or they put too much in it, and they don't hire the right people on the creative team, and they they kind of cut out the originators of that product, and it just doesn't ever work out. A lot of the, it doesn't not it works out a lot of the time, but I mean I say it's like fifty fifty with how it works out. Like yeah, Tick Tick Boom, it worked really well. But Tick Tick Boom worked super well because they knew what they were doing. Yeah. And then uh, going back to, I want to jump to Jupiter's Legacy. It didn't work out. They tried to adapt a comic in live action, and they didn't put enough. They either didn't put enough money in where it works for special effects. They didn't pay enough attention to the script. But then you have Super Crooks, which is an anime adaption of an American comic set in the same universe as Jupiter's Legacy, yeah. and it does well. And it's like, well, maybe we should have made Jupiter's Legacy an anime. And yeah, like, I think they just need to pick and choose like what they do a little better because i feel like with a lot of the other streaming services they might not have as much coming out but like not all the time but there's like a lot of quality stuff coming out on hulu and on prime and stuff like that i was literally about to say i never know what's coming out on hulu because i feel like i never see advertisements for hulu shows always like sweeping emmys the only hulu shows i've watched um i'm watching pin 15 right now (laughs) yeah dude of course i yeah i watch penis penis is freaking awesome <laughs> oh my god when uh and the i watched the uh, rami oh my god when the two creators of pen 15 did their little cameo episode on big mouth yes. that was like worlds crossing over between platforms mm-hmm. but no you know like for me right now definitely like i feel like i watch netflix disney plus well disney plus because they have all the simpsons yeah. and then like hbo max has done yeah I talked about it in a previous pro- podcast that Netflix, that not Netflix, HBO Max made a really smart decision when they decided, okay, all our movies are going to go on our platform this year yeah. because they probably, they probably got their numbers up for where they needed to be this year by doing that. Now, you know, I'm sure like they left some directors really angry. Yeah. I know Christopher Nolan never wants to work with Warner Brothers now, apparently. And neither do, um... The guys for uh, Dune, not Dillet Denise Villeneuve. I can't pronounce his name. Um, he doesn't want to work with Warner Brothers on the next one, even though they're contracted to make Dune two now. Um, uh, that dude cracks me up because he made a big long post. Didn't he? He made a statement about how like he can't get behind Marvel movies because they're just yeah. uh, they're just the same thing over and over again. And he adapted a he adapted a movie Something that's that just I've been ad- adapted twice and tried to then adapt forever like. Uh, guy uh, joe dorowski there's a good documentary called joe dorowski's dune yeah and so this guy alejandro joe dorowski made he's like an avant-garde filmmaker he was worked for the beatles a lot he had this like back in the 70s this like 150 million dollar plus production of dune that he wanted to make and it was getting like greenlit by everyone he had all the actors prepared like everything there's this documentary it's like two or three hours long about his creation of it and it's like true to everything in the book which is crazy (laughs) and he wants it to be like exactly like that and he wanted to be like this big like epic film series that fell under and they're like okay we'll give it to david lynch and that was ass (laughs) well it's ironic it sounds like when ralph baskey really wanted to do lord of the rings do you know who ralph baskey is notorious x-rated filmmaker ralph baskey who wanted to make lord of the rings but all he had previously on his record were like Three X-rated, X-rated, super controversial movies. Yep. He did Fritz the Cats, Heavy Traffic, and some other one. And then he was like, "Oh, okay. Well, I I need to make a family-friendly movie." So he made Wizards. And I mean, he, when he was doing press interviews, he's like, "Yes, this is a family-friendly movie." Let me tell you about Wizards. Wizards is a movie about two 
two twins, wizards. Uh, one's good, one's evil. One is like... <laughs> oh, this movie is so... I like it. I've seen it a bunch. Um, the main... No. it. So the... It's set in a dystopian world. So it's actually set in the future, but it gives you like Middle Earth vibes. Mm-hmm. And oh my gosh, there's so much trivia on this movie. But this is so... Oh my gosh, I have to get to the point. The main evil wizard is using Nazi propaganda. <laughs> yeah, and he'll show, like, during one of the battles, he plays Nazi propaganda, and, like, all the elves are like, what's going on? Like, what? This is freaking wild. <laughs> Literally. I'm only touching the basis. And then the main character is this assassin robot that the good wizard, who I forgot the name of, like, reprograms to be a good guy. And he dies... Like, this, this main character who's on the main poster dies, like, halfway through the movie. And you're like, is he coming back? Like, are they not going to fix the robot? <laughs> well, here's so here's some trivia for you. Uh, it was originally called War of Wizards. But George Lucas went to Ralph Baskey and asked if he would change the name because this movie premiered a couple weeks before Star Wars. And it was actually the top-rated movie before Star Wars. Now, Ralph Baskey said, okay... But I need something from you. And Mark Hamill did his first voiceover as a little fairy in this movie. That was the agreement. Is He was like, all right, fine, I'll do it. But Mark Hamill has to come in and voice one of the characters. Mark Hamill probably just like, oh, okay, I got it, dude. Literally. But the, Mark Hamill has become known as a notorious voice yeah, actor. And this, this was his first role. And it's so stupid. But yeah, this Ralph Baskey guy. Super I love co- Fritz the Cat. Fritz the Cat is such an interesting movie. I like it too. Heavy Traffic is also really good, but they're... Ralph Ralph Vasquez grew up in a different time. That's all I'm going to say about these movies. Oh, for sure. But, like, he used... He did whatever he could to try and adapt Lord of the Rings. And he adapted Lord of the Rings. Uh, He made it an animated movie, and he wanted to stay super faithful to everything in the book. And it just... I personally think the movie is beautiful. Like, it's really interesting. He shot it, and then he overlaid it with animation, and it looks, you know, it's, for 19, like, 70s, it's gorgeous. Yeah. But the first movie only adapted the first book and the second book, so they never adapted the last book. And he he was like, no, I'm not coming back. I'm not going to do another one. Like, no, 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 (laughs) no. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go make porno and put in another movie. Notorious fetish artist Ralph Basti. <laughs> no, no, I will not make the sequel unless we get to see Gandalf's dick. Imagine if he made the live action Lord of the Rings. <laughs> he, I mean, he pretty much, dude. He pretty much did because he shot. Yeah. He shot the movie and then he. Wait, when, when did we get the Ralph Basti on this podcast? For real. When's Ralph Baskey coming on? I don't know, man. Notorious penis artist Ralph Baskey. You should. You, I don't know if you've ever seen this order, and you should look it up. I will. I, I'm writing it down in my notes right now. You should. Now, we can go back and watch Fritz the Cat. Oh, my God. The first time I watched Fritz the Cat, I must have been... I was like 14 when I discovered this movie. Fritz the Cat is the first X-rated movie of all time. It's an animated movie, and it's really politic driven it's really like it's offensive it's it's in a very offensive movie and like they bring up topics in very offensive ways but they're also like really on the point topics of like it's a satire but it also also once again one of the main villains of the movie uses nazi propaganda all the time the evil rabbit why 
What's his obsession? He didn't like Nazis, and you know what? Maybe I'm like penis fetish artist Ralph Basket because I don't like Nazis I also either. Don't like I Nazis. also I also don't like I do not like Nazis. They are bad. In other news, the fourth episode of Hawkeye came out. That's another thing I, I haven't had the time over the past two weeks to like watch anything. So since we're on the topic of adaptions, did you know that unlike a lot of the other Marvel shows, this this TV show, Hawkeye, is actually adapted from one like actual comic book storyline oh, of sad. Hawkeye. So like it's great. I heard that I don't know if this is true, but apparently like a lot of the people who wrote the comic aren't seeking justice. They're like, oh, well, why don't they say we wrote this more? But a lot of yeah. the fans are speaking up about the artist and writer. They're like, give this person and this person their due for writing it. I got to look up their names real quick. Quick, Chase, tell me a movie our listeners should watch Why I look up who wrote oh, Hawkeye. Shoot. Let me think of the movies I watched last. You're, uh, not, you're not doing good. This was only supposed to take a second. Come on, name okay, a movie. Uh, I watched Blue Velvet like two nights ago. What's it about? What's it about? Oh, this guy finds an ear. Um, Agent Cooper from Twin Peaks. He finds an ear in a uh, in a field, and he ends up falling in love with this nightclub singer, breaking into her apartment, and they uh, he gets wrapped up with these bad dudes, and a bunch of people die. (laughs) Interesting. Interesting. What's your favorite Marvel movie? Man, I can't get this to pull up my my connection. Bro, I love Iron. Keep going. Okay, okay, here we go. So it's primarily based on Matt Fraction, oh, cool name, and David Ochi's Hawkeye comic, which it served as a major influence. So that's, you know, so this has been a very heavy episode about adaptions. Mm-hmm. And this has been a great adaption. I, you know. That's what I've heard. I heard a lot of people didn't, you know, a lot of people didn't know about Kate Bishop before this show came out. And I mean, Haley Seinfeld, beautiful Haley Seinfeld has done so good with this character. I, I still need to watch it. I've watched, like, part of the first episode. It, I suck at watching shows. <laughs> I would have... I would have watched it. Uh, the discussion. I don't know... I don't know what's the right final topic to end on this very interesting episode of Casual Quarter. But real quick, you know what I'm going to bring up? Um, you know, we're in December. Holiday movies are coming up. And you know what? I want to bring up one final casual conversation. Okay. When you grew up, how many times do you think you probably watched, like, a Peanuts special on TV? I'm talking oh. Charlie Brown. Yeah, yeah, Because a lot of people don't know that, like, they're called the Peanuts, apparently. Yeah, no, um... Not to be mistaken with Ralph Basky's penis art. Penis no, the art. Peanuts. The Peanuts. I'd say, like, probably, like, three or four times. It depends on the holiday. We always watch The Great Pumpkin. Oh, my um, gosh. And then, like, during Christmas, I felt like... Almost any of them could be on, not just like the Christmas ones, but like literally like just the peanuts remind me of this like from Thanksgiving to Christmas time, that season. I can't even, I'd say at least like 20, 30 times in my life. Did you know, so did you know when Apple, Apple now has the exclusive rights to the peanuts material. Did you know when they first acquired the rights that they decided, nope. No more peanuts on air anymore. Like you can only stream it on Apple, and like people were mad. So this past year was the first time they brought it back. Didn't air on ABC. They aired on PBS. And now, anytime I want to watch a peanut special, I gotta download 
uh, Apple Plus or whatever oh, it's called. And like this is going back to our original topic, like streaming services and cable. Like what's going on? Like, like I feel like so many people had to wait to watch the Peanuts annually, or yeah. you had to have the DVD, and now it's like watch it whenever and all this stuff. For and real. like we, I remember like we would DVR it and we would watch them. But I feel like there's so many streaming services now. It's like. Is it going to get to the point where they're going to, like, conglomerate together? Because, like, it's going to get to a point where I feel like people aren't going to be able to pay for every subscription. You've got, like, Netflix is going up in price. Hulu's going up in price. There's Apple TV, HBO Max. I miss the good old days of, like, early, early YouTube when you can find anything on it. Like, in 2007, I definitely watched all Dragon Ball Z on there. Like, free, like... You could watch, like, any movie you wanted to on YouTube. How times have changed. For real. I, I, it kind of scares me with how many streaming services there are because like, I want to watch so many things. But like, I know in like 10 years, there's going to be like 20 things I'm subscribed to and like paying my rent in streaming services, like just living on the street. My gosh. Well, that's about all it has time today. Man, that, what, how do you end podcast? That's about, that's about all we have time for today. Uh, this has been a very casual corner. I'm your host, Jacob Daniel. Um, Chase, you have any final words? Anything you would want to say to notorious penis X-rated artist uh, Ralph Baskey? I wish you would have directed Tick, Tick, Boom. <laughs> 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 and if any if any of the cast members from the live action adaption of Cowboy Beep are listening, well, I'll be seeing you, Space Cowboy. They're not listening to this shitty podcast. <laughs> what if they were? <laughs> then I'm sure they would give me a thumbs up. <laughs>